everyone. Welcome to episode two of season two of Research Time. This week will be a very powerful, meaningful, and relevant conversation held with an astonishing colleague of mine that I look up to in-depthly. I am very excited to share who this wonderful woman is and how empowering she is and the sharing she will be able to bring along with me today. So here she is. Okay. Oh, and you have one with you. Yes, I have Penelope here, and she's just a little fussy, so don't mind me. Winnie's coming to help. Yeah, can you go with Winnie? Come. Okay. Can I be on the new? Okay. Oh, how beautiful. Okay, Winnie, thank you. I'll bring her if she gets fussy. Okay. I <laughs> love. <laughs> it's beautiful. It's beautiful. <laughs> like Professor Stowgray's class when I brought P and she was mm-hmm. holding in a moss bag teaching. So I was so lucky to have that Aww. experience with all of you and my baby there. Yeah. Okay. I remember that day fondly too. I remember how small she was as well and how we all took our turn holding her. Like it was such a beautiful, beautiful moment. I loved that moment. It was so perfect. Thank you. It was so profound and I think that's like so inclusive of institutions now. It just like went against the grain and like it was such a loving community in which we shared. And um, Professor Tanya Stilgrave's social studies class at Mount Royal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So beautiful. It's so funny because she's actually uh, referenced a lot on the podcast. So I really hope she's listening. <laughs> okay, Gapsiwa. I hope you hear your shout out. Gapsiwa. Mm. <laughs> oh, that was her name too. She was honored. So beautiful. Okay, okay. Uh, Nicole, um, it's already wonderful to have you on the podcast sharing your gifts along with you and it's just so beautiful to see. Um, But before we start our conversation, before we go through introductions, it's really important to acknowledge the land that you and I are both situated upon. Um, Of course, different locations on Treaty 7, but Treaty 7 nonetheless. Um, So here it is. So we are currently located on the traditional territory of Treaty 7, uh, which belongs to the Blackfoot Confederacy of the Nesitapi, uh, which uh, belongs to Siksika, Gainai, Bogani, Sitina, Iahe Nokora, which is Stori Nakoda Nation, uh, which, uh, which also belongs to uh, Bearspaw, Wesley, and Chiniki. And uh, Treaty 7 is also home to Métis Nation Region 3, which I'm a proud member of. Uh, we acknowledge that this territory is home to folks who are Indigenous and non-Indigenous, and it is our relations that foster further communications and potential reconciliation for us to be able to work together in harmony, stewardship, and with love, and hopefully with uh, profound educational pathways, which you and I will be discussing today. So again, Mafsi, thank you so much for being here with me, Nicole. Thank you for the land acknowledgement, Tom. It's beautiful and 
one of the best I've heard. So thank you, Madeline. Um, okay, Nitsu Poex, Nistuni Danico, Nadut Saki, Ki, um, Kakadut Saki, Utskapanaki, um, Nitsut Dugena, Ginats, Ginatskanamaksa, no Mat Royal University in Mokinstis. So hello, everybody. My name, I just introduced you. I just introduced myself to you in Blackfoot. My name is Nicole Heavy Shields. My Blackfoot name is given to me by my auntie Ikenaichki, Dr. Lena Russell, and it, it means Sun Woman. Um, my name is Nicole Heavy Shields. Um, I'm also here with um, Utskapinaki or Penelope Heavy Shields. We are from Ghana, the Blood First Nations in um, Southern Alberta, part of the Blackfoot Confederacy Treaty 7 territory. Um, yes, um, I finished school at Mount Royal University in Calgary, Alberta, which is where I connected with um, my dear friend Madeline and whom we're so proud of. Um, really humbled and honored to be asked to um, be a part of your podcast today. So thank you, my friend. My friend, thank you. And you and I, it's so, it's so beautiful to see, you know, our relations together from where we started and from where we're going. But I don't know if I ever told you this, but I feel like I have in the past. But the first time I actually remember you was that you were a speaker at We Day. And I was a photographer at that event. And I remember you on the stage just so eloquent so proud so humbling and sharing your story and your resilience and your beauty and just the story behind it though that that day was very profound to me and then when i saw you in my class uh because we went to mount royal university together for education um, when I saw you in class, I was like, I recognize you. I remember you. And it was because of that event that I really, it stayed with me. Like that, what you shared that day really stayed with me. And so seeing you in the class and building relations with you, especially, you know, as we move forward within our lives and within our advocacy for, you know, curriculum changes to education and ensuring that it's inclusive uh, for all children, especially indigenous children. So it's it's just so beautiful to, uh, you know, be one of your good friends. And, and I, I really feel humbled and honored uh, to call you a friend as well. Okay, thank you very much. That means so much. Yeah. That's the closest um, meaning or word to uh, I'm thankful and really blessed by, you know, you and your words thank you and as i mentioned to you while we were getting set up earlier um i'm really proud of you and um, i've always admired you not only as a cohort peer within our undergraduate endeavors at mount royal university um you have always been um somebody that i looked up to on how you know eloquently and you know how powerful you connect with people and not just indigenous people but all people and so i know in your practices 
and in your grad school endeavors that you know you have a lot of support behind you and you're one of those buffalo that are storming against these winds and that are going against you know the grain to pave that way um this is your gift like i've, I've always seen that in you and um you know thank you for being a friend to myself and it wasn't easy being in um, university at times and I've always considered you my friend and definitely gave me that um, kindness to push through on those hard days don't mind these guys <laughs> so I like I said I'm going to be here you know to root root for you and wherever you go you know that light is following right with you there that's the that that means the world to me you brought me into tears a little bit too actually thank you nasty nasty i'm starting to learn machif as well and tanshi is uh is hello which is a mixture of um of um tanste which is uh hello in cree and so it's very close to tanshi and um and uh it's very cool to to be learning and 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 um your your words are very powerful to me and meaningful to me and you know i think it's because of people like you um that have helped me to really hone in on this gift and why it's so important i think too and to just honor it and that's why i want to honor you as well and and i really do appreciate you and i'm so looking forward uh to our future relations too together but also for our conversation too today <laughs> of course we're getting there but this is like very good um you know this energy that we carry and that goodness and the light you know that's what guys mm. us. i think that's what got us to where we are both are today and i'm excited to see where you're going and you know i'm, I'm really like i said i can't express my pride in So, and in this conversation, I'm really humbled to share this you know, with you here. Yeah. I feel the same. I feel the same. Everything you're feeling is is um, it's how I'm feeling too. So, thank you. Thank you so much, um, Nicole. As as again, we get started here. It's um, it's going to be a quite a profound conversation. And again, I'm very humbled uh, that you're willing to talk about this with me, have a conversation about this with me. and especially with what is happening in relation to the Albertan government uh being the UCP right now our conversation is very timely to our gifts uh to our children to our youth and the relations they also deserve to make in regards to curriculum and the learning they deserve to be involved with is just as important and powerful for them to to know everything about it Um so that's why our conversation topic today folks is not shielding our children away from difficult topics uh the residential schooling system. So as we decided to to go about the resource to discuss to to go about Nicole I'm very appreciative that you decided to choose the resource that you did as it is very timely and very powerful. So Uh, would you be willing to share what the resource is and uh, what was discussed within it? Yeah, absolutely. So um, uh, there was an article published on October 21st by, um, I believe it was the Globe and Mail, and it was from the perspective of um, Senator Judge Murray Sinclair. And that um, article, our resource, 
I'll just read the title of it. Um, Senator Murray Sinclair, Alberta's late curriculum plan around residential schools would be, um, quote unquote, a terrible mistake. So, um, and this article really came from a perspective of, um, you know, Senator Murray Sinclair and who he is is um, very um, significant. He has a very powerful and kind place in um, Indigenous um, country and non-Indigenous country. He is one of our advocates for the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. He is at one point was the chair of the Truth and Reconciliation Commission where they came out with the 41 recommendations to reconciliation, um, all related back to the residential school in Canada. So um, he was a First Nations lawyer who served as a chairman um, for the commission and he is, was the first Indigenous judge in Manitoba and um, definitely he was also a wee day advocate and speaker and um, re- looking back um, with some of my practicum students to initiate um, residential school um, teachings we watched some of his um, wee day sessions and they're very powerful and very kind like he likes to mention um, in this article that um, it is you know paramount to the narrative the true narrative of Canada that that residential schools um, that narrative and the history of our ancestors grandparents parents and um, our, our young ones and young ones to come that this history can be taught definitely from a place in early um, elementary foundational years like um, kindergarten to grade four um, and he mentions from a place um, perspective of a child um, and so I think what brought this on Madeline we were talking about um, the conservatives um, how there was um, a proposed um, um, by an um, like an advisory board a, pr- a proposal of the Alberta curriculum and it highlighted that um, residential school education not be included from Alberta education from grades A to 4. And that, as an educator, hearing those words is alarming, uh, confusing, and a little appalling, uh, just because these are such major times where children have the capacity to build empathy, kindness, and understandings of relations with one another. So it's a very important time in youth's lives uh, to be learning about these difficult concepts. A difficult meaning emotional. It is always going to be emotional talking about this, but there's beautiful holistic ways to lead these conversations. So it's not something to shy away from, but rather something to embrace and empower the ability to hold these discussions and these conversations with your class. So that's why I think it's really important to to ask you like what you found really uh, interesting from the article and and things that you're you're hoping to see. Absolutely. So I have some notes here, and um, there are a couple issues that are very problematic um, from my perspective. 
um, alongside Senator Murray Sinclair's. And um, there's that mention about um, that this this um, piece of suggestive um, curriculum mandate is very discriminatory and also um, can be connected to a place of anticipated negligence when it comes to Indigenous education and the history that it has within um, Alberta education. It, it isn't very good. I mean, it, it's there, but it's not really there. And um, I mean, this has come from a place um, from history where, you know, um, that there's like we touched upon, like it, it is emotional um, and I think there's a, a lot of power that can come out of it because not only are we teaching about, um, you know, genocidal focuses uh, towards Indigenous people in this country, but, you know, I think of Indigenous children in school and learning about our history as hard as it can be at times, um, it gives, it develops a place of, um, you know, resilience and self respect and pride and um, when that pride is shared and it's mutual with non-indigenous people i think there's there's a factor there there's like a there's a flick of light there that begins to have these like important resignative um connections through what you mentioned empathy and kindness um leadership and commitment to this change in our country and, um, you know, doubt, unendoubtfully, if we continue to neglect um, residential schools um, and a young, uh, the teachings of residential schools, um, what change are, like who, the change will, will continue to reflect, um, you know, the place of high colonization to a point where um, our young people will not understand Indigenous people um, in a place of now, in the present, there'll always be that mythology, myth, um, mm -hmm. how do we say it, um, that methodical um, perception that, you know, I'm, I'm going to be learning this in grade nine, because this is what the proposal was, was for the students to be learning about residential schools in grade nine. And it's going to be kind of like a cumulative of other genocidal schools within the world but again um is this a cultural erasure of indigenous people and being in a country um where there's one narrative that has been told um a whole other narrative you know has existed for so long and um this goes back to the assumption of superiority as to why must this always be a question? Why must there be so much hesitation? Um, and it probably has a lot to do with how we were raised in the education system where we don't know much about Indigenous people. There's that fear, maybe some intimidation, um, internalized racism, um, subtle inferiority complexes still exist. And until we start teaching at you know, a very young age about Indigenous people, these cycles of intergenerational trauma, um, the superiority will not be broken. And we will continue to be demoralizing Indigenous peoples this way. 
part. My little baby sitting here, and I think, what would it be like for her to experience, you know, um, coming into a classroom and the teachers, you know, they they don't want to talk about residential school, like they're saving it for grade nine, and you know, the way I raise my children. Um, there's a lot of kindness in the Blackfoot way of ceremony in which they're raised in and um, how we talk about issues of residential school because my mother is a survivor Sharon Heavy Shields and um, her Blackfoot name is Gakadut Saki, Star Woman and she attended St. Mary's Residential School in Standoff, Alberta, the Blood Reserve from the age of four and my daughter's sitting with us here today, Penelope is two so from the age of four till about 14, 15, you know, this isn't long ago. In 1996, the last school was shut down. So these cycles, this history isn't obsolete or this isn't totally in our history to continue to, you know, excuse that um, this is too, um, you know, um, fearful for our children. And, but the legacy, it's, it's still there, it still affects um, everybody and I think it's a, an effect of intergenerational trauma by shielding um, all children within the world about residential school because this it's definitely something that carries a lot of um, power but you know that the resilient factor because look at where you and I have have made it through um, we're still here, like Sir John A. No. Macdonald, it didn't work, we're no. here, and um, we have our ancestors with us, and Indigenous people, we'd love to share this, like teachers coming through, Indigenous teachers would love to share this history, and um, as Judge Murray Sinclair had stated, they are not, we're not going to be showing bloody photos or, you know, scary photos. No. It's the stories. It's the stories that we need to share, but stories in inclusive, empowering, and in through love and through kindness and understanding folks coming from different perspectives and being able to listen, listen with not just the mind, but with the heart and truly being open to these forms of conversations. But what needs to happen too is for, you know, uh, settler educators to feel comfortable to be able to take up these conversations with their students. And what could be occurring is a lack of comfortability because I, it doesn't affect me, so I don't know how to connect with it. But there's a wonderful researcher. I don't know if you've, if you've um, uh, uh, heard him before, but I've talked about him various times on my podcast. His name is Dwayne Donald. Uh, he's a pop chase tree from Treaty 6 territory. And the way that he looks at it is through a frame of ethical relations. And it's been able for two perspectives to be able to come together as a means to be respected as two perspectives, but still have the ability to respect and listen to one another. And when that occurs, then reconciliation can then occur after, as long as these notions and the relations are truly ethical and respectful. So I think with educators, with being able to take up this work and being able to feel 
comfortable and confident to be able to do this work, they have to unpack it for themselves and they really have to look at this through their lens. What territories am I on? Um, which residential schools was even on my territory? Because there's quite a few on Treaty 7. There's quite a few. And there's a, quite a few across the nation. So for teachers to be able to feel comfortable, they have to become aware first. And that's where the first step of many can take place. But I appreciate your your words, especially with in regards to how our, 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 our youth, our gifts, our children can be able to listen to these conversations, even at two, like your child is with you right now to listen and to, to just be aware, just to be here. And that's beautiful to me because that's the next generation. That's, that's the next generation to make so much more impacts too. Impacts you and I are making, we're just paving more of the way for our generation to even make more of a stand. And I think that's beautiful and that's empowering in itself. So stories, the sharing of stories is really key uh, in regards to this form of education, this form of teaching. And we need to acknowledge them, we need to listen to them, and we need to ensure they're appropriately shared. And it is like what you said too, and what Senator uh, Sinclair also said too, which is to ensure that we're not sharing bloody photos, we're not sharing you know, photos that could be traumatizing, but rather photos, stories, experiences that will affect kids in ways that will allow them to know like, yes, there's an issue, but hey, let's make a difference and let's work together to make this difference. And that's what's key. And I really appreciate you speaking to um, educators support, teachers support, and advocating for the teachers who, you know, maybe have not had any um, prior education on Indigenous people. Um, there needs to be, like, there's so many different pathways in this. <laughs> it's a baby foot. But there's so <laughs> many pathways. Which, it reflects like the non-linear um, way of how indigenous people adapt and are resilient through each of those um, influxes in life and um, having to you know continue that momentum in different pathways like to, to um, support the student to support the teacher to support the curriculum itself um, the parents honoring our ancestors there's a piece there and I think it would be really um, phenomenal if at one point if at one point we could have like more traditional space within education um, to have these kinds of educational um, teachings um, like you said to be aware of our territory to be practicing um, and to be in those um, sacred spaces to hear stories, um, to sit with the elders, to um, also for our Indigenous students to have those spaces because a lot come from, they have traditional lives, um, like some may seem really quiet or there's like a certain essence that some of our children, like my children, they're traditional children that they carry with them that, you know, still isn't really understood sometimes. But um, for little things like that, well, they're big things, I should say, um, to have that 
um, education for our teachers. And um, this is Lennon. Hi. <laughs> Hi. Hi, sweetie. And um, just to continue to support the liaisons in the schools within the um, Board of Education and, um, you know, really um, utilize the, there's a lot of um, First Nations community colleges and institutions on the reserve. There's a, there's such a resource there to connect with um, elders, knowledge keepers, ceremonialists, um, you know, other teachers to have these conversations. And it's okay to say like, I, I don't know. And then there's a journey to honor protocol. And as long as we have tobacco to, on, to offer to whom we ask um, information to, you know, a lot of the time will come out with something valuable to us and something new and transformative to our practice, practice as teachers. So um, I really, you know, have kindness towards teachers because it's difficult and we're aware of this. And um, But it must come from a place of like willingness and kindness to teach of these subjects in education. And, um, during my practicum at Connect Charter School, I had 51 humanities grade four students and they loved, um, they loved learning about the residential schools. They loved learning about propaganda and um, a lot of the questions, a lot of our um, questions came back to how can we live well together in this place? Again, um, Dr. Stogre had inspired my question on um, how can we live well together in this place and um, the students we started out um, prior to like pre-confederation um, and then we um, I had them with a post-it note come up to the board and the question was have we lived well together in this place in that time of confederation pre-confederation and a lot said yes and then at the end of our inquiry-based um, studies together, the, the answers were dramatically shifted because they said no, because the treaties were not honored and um, mm. the resident school survivors really stood out for them um, as to what they had to endure. But not only the um, residential school survivors, but there's a lot of um, history within um, all cultures in Canada that often goes untaught. So I think, um, like you said, learning about our societies and honoring that place, especially residential school knowledge, it really gauges us as, um, you know, as a society in this country, because there's a lot of intersections that we can you know, relate to and um, empathize for. And with this young, this young age group with an elementary, they're kind of untouched by, you know, prejudices and racism. Mm. And that is the key, the essential age where that shift can happen. And um, where, you know, we're, we're, um, we're supporting these young peacemakers to make, you know, change. And definitely these are the essential ages where we would like to share, you know, cultural, um, cultural connection and understanding and that kindness and you know so we all understand history and 
when these young ones, these future ones, go out into, you know, their profession, they're aware of what we've endured in history, and um, you know, there's no, there's no um, need to make those same mistakes as before. Mm. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Ah, thank you for that. A key question then, I think it, I think there are notions that of course we've already touched on, but like, why must we discuss the residential schooling system um, with our children and youth in curriculum? Okay, so it's essential because for, for time immemorial, um, we have such a focus on colonized education, like from a colonial lens of, um, you know, operating and, and thinking and being critical and, and knowing from that place of um, colonization and how the, you know, like assumptions, colonial assumptions, how the West was won or how, you know, um, there was a lot of defeat. Um, whereas, you know, in reality, that's only um, one perspective within history from an entire country which, which had um, prior inhabitants who were innovative, who were flourishing on their territories, um, having their knowledge um, continuing to prosper um, because Indigenous people were and are and will continue to be prosperous, strong, beautiful, intelligent, innovative people just as any other race within society there's a story and there's a narrative and that narrative from the indigenous perspective hasn't really been integrated not to it at all it's real true um essence like it's real um you know the flavor the story um it, it hasn't even been the surface we're on surface level right now yeah. but once we get in there and we really you know get to take in that the realities of the treaty making process where if it weren't for making treaties the trajectory of canada would not be what it is now and i say that from a place of um, how i was raised to know like we if we didn't sign treaty 7 we wouldn't have been killed off because we're warriors and yeah. we're still warriors uh-oh <laughs> and um you know there's a strength there that needs to be told and there's two perspectives there's so many perspectives but the indigenous perspective you know can definitely um, emancipate a lot of minds for such a profound and sacred way of knowing and being and living and through our treaty making process that's everybody's right here is right. the story the way the life the language and if we made that space you know indigenous peoples i know we can both relate on this we'll, we'll bring to the table what we have if we know it's going to be honored yeah. we can trust that there's the place and how we can work alongside to cohesively collaborate especially within um systemic like within the federal government within policy um systemically you know we can we can come to the table with um with our knowledge and our resources 
and make that change and and be prosperous with everybody else in the nation mm. and our That's ancestors beautiful. are there with us mm. i uh i was just a part of a of a of a of a talking circle and uh a part of my my work to uh I, I work with an elder in residence and uh uh he, his name is elder solace and uh i do believe he's algonquin i will check on that just to uh, ensure but just because my relations are now extending to out east it's been really beautiful to also learn about the the nations over there and it's just been very beautiful to to learn about it but He uh he said something really funny and really beautiful and perfection connected to what you just shared to you but the ancestors talk through us they share through us and they will share what they're willing to share through us we just have to be able to listen and as long as we open that door for that conversation for that sharing then you know we'll be able to have even more have even more resilience have even more uh ability to be able to to share for our relations and to move forward together with other folks. So when he said that I just I cuz now we say like oh well if we say something bad then we'll just blame the ancestors. <laughs> <laughs> it was very funny. <laughs> But beautiful, beautiful too with the way that he shared it. It was just so perfect. Mm-hmm. And it's um it's a beautiful teaching one that that I I like to share as well but uh it's um it's it it's extends to what you just said to which is our ancestors we have to honor them in various ways and as long as we're open to being able to do that and a lot of folks too like it's an ongoing practice of education of learning and then of being able to learn how to be able to do this too so it's uh it's a powerful notion very powerful mm-hmm. your elder is so accurate and You know it it gives me chills to think calm. And you know when you're speaking um about your elder and about sharing about our ancestors speaking through us it's just beautiful to know how our ancestors are a part of us and how we are here today and how we can virtually you know have these conversations together. Um it's really it's it is sacred beautiful and it's powerful. I'm happy that you said that because with my with my work today we also had a conversation about feeling uncertain with holding these forms of conversations or like even with like ceremony or anything with protocols because it's such a different environment and, and a lot of folks are feeling like it's not honoring the way that we should be honoring. but i feel and and i think someone else said this too within one of my meetings but they said that i feel that it's something that is still in us and as long as we feel it in us then that's still sacred and that's still being able to be a part of the process and be a part of the protocols so it's i thought that was beautiful and it kind of helped me with with feeling how i'm feeling too and also with what you just said too everything's just connected today um <laughs> i love i love it when that happens too Um but thank you for saying that as well cuz like I was I was troubling that emotion today so I I really do appreciate you sharing that I think that's really uh thank you Mousy Mousy for that thank you it makes me feel a little bit more secure and um appreciative even more so too with our conversation too Well you're very aware and you you come from a place of 
you know, understanding and experience because you embarked on a lot of leadership opportunities at Mount Royal and beyond. And what I remember you um, doing, and I've seen you so happy at Mount Royal, is through the summer and the Anisgam um, science and mathematics um, camps for Indigenous youth. And I remember seeing you with the other Indigenous mentors and teachers there. You just um, looked so happy, like you lit up. And within education, I think sometimes um, we really need to trust our, our spirits as to who we, we really um, take knowledge from or seek from. Like a lot of elders, um, the true real elders, they're kind and they'll never humiliate you and um you know as young people i really encourage other um students um indigenous and non you know to to not personalize perhaps if you do come encounter with somebody and they correct you or you know like if there's a somebody and they tell you oh you didn't give me enough money to speak to this or you you're not um, understanding how much knowledge goes into this um we do have to offer tobacco and there's a place for indigenous knowledge but um whoever the elder or the knowledge teacher ceremonialist person is um they should never be mean about it um the true elders are kind and forgiving and you know with whatever offering you come forth with like a tobacco offering you know some um honorarium mommy money gift um you know stay close to those elders who you feel connected to with that kindness and there is you know a place for different things like to not be shared whether it's really sacred or not because um a lot of elders they go through so many transfers within their traditional life to attain that knowledge Uh oh (laughs) and um it just you know if we could just remind ourselves to to honor that um that experience and whatever capacity we can but that indigenous knowledge is is very powerful and sometimes we need to go a little beyond our means to accommodate that because you know back then if somebody was requesting knowledge they'd bring horses they would bring blankets they would they would give whatever they had to learn from this one holy man or woman and i think reverting to those ways and just being humble Ways. It'll, it'll guide us the right way and you know with you it sounds like you have a really kind elder um, and I'm proud of you and you know I encourage you to stay connected to those who you feel um, support you and make you feel strong you know? um, so keep in touch with those people thank you I think that's a great that's great to to share Thanks. as well and I, I believe that like um um you know debbie debbie crazy boys like her her mother too like she's mm-hmm. she taught her as well which is the most sweetest uh notion it's just she's so compassionate and caring so it's uh i feel honored also feeling you know relations to her and um to to again elder solace so learned from like elder mcsecum as well um, um from mount royal university too and 
just such a such a profound experience just learning from all these all these wonderful folks but also from community as well like like you as well it's just such a it's such a close knitness with with us i feel that we such we hold such close relations and such empowering relations too yes. so it's <laughs> it's just beautiful and you know it's it's it, i'm happy to see it thank you there we go thank you oh perfect ah <laughs> oh, how are you <laughs> thank you for being so um, patient with us just we had babies children smudges going <laughs> exciting <laughs> conversation <laughs> thank you everybody coming back so but yeah it's been such a amazing conversation so far I think so too. I think it's just beautiful and honestly like um you don't need to be sorry at all. I know how um I I mean I can only imagine what it would be like to be a mother <laughs> and I'll I'll feel what you're feeling <laughs> when I have children of my own. I'll be at your baby shower. Ah, yes you will. <laughs> oh, that's perfect. Okay. Oh. Okay. Wonderful. So Nicole, um there's uh three more wonderful questions and I think we'll we'll be in relation more to educators curriculum really looking at it through these forms of frameworks and these kinds of conversations. Um so I guess for one that would really support educators in the here and now being able to take up these forms of conversations within their classrooms, how might we develop lessons surrounding the discussion of the residential schooling system and other systemic issues facing indigenous peoples? Okay, so like our resource um how Senator Judge Marie Sinclair had pointed out that um you know with the whole residential school teachings um within like the younger age bracket in elementary education that it comes from a place of um kindness and mindfulness not a place of um like fear tactics or using residential school to you know um do more damage like to perpetrate fear or um like there's still some cautions and guidelines that we must honor and which i understand is it, it can be a concern but um you know a lot of other um various times in histories genocides have been taught within these age groups in a way that are unique to that time in history from a place of um integrating that knowledge and really being mindful of how this teaching is carried forth and allowing the students alongside maybe an elder a survivor the teacher um they they drive that knowledge together where it needs to go um like how in um our Mount Royal University program um education program we really honed in on inquiry based learning and how we start with um these big juicy um questions that can um you know really elaborate on a lot of essentials to humanity um yeah. so we can connect that definitely to a place of home 
for each other mm. and a place of um you know coming to know ourselves from our ancestors and with uh, my grade four practicum um i taught from the perspective from a child so i asked um the grade four students to go and um, map out kind of like a day in their lives so from the time they wake up like how are they greeted good morning by their parents be careful you guys share please um from a place like in the morning right until they went to bed like details so they they talked about what they ate for dinner who took them in for bed how was school and then um the next day they came and we compared that to a child that um like my mother her what she recollects from her experiences as a school survivor to kind of um understand the two different perspectives of a child based on their daily lives and so what we created was like um what are these things called again like so this was like say <laughs> this was my students like their lot like their their perspective and then this was a residential school and so in like one panel they had their whole routines and um everything their habits of nature and then we went in and studied how residential school children's mornings were and that's how they could relate was they were they related it back to themselves then opening that up to more possibilities as to how can we honor our history with the recommendations so we also studied the 41 recommendations the truth and reconciliations calls to action and um one of them was to integrate in education learning about residential school children and so they were excited and thrilled we had to celebrate that we we completed and we brought forth to action one of the 41 calls um to truth and reconciliation and they were so proud and i think a um, next step would be to maybe expand that within the school and to talk to admin as to like how can we um come together and you know focus on one call to action and see how that can bring about change um, again coming from their their place of like innocence and um kindness and that these children like our our little people they they want to make change and they want to create peace and um learn about how we can grow as community and even within the classroom engaging um, using that as a, ca- a classroom management engagement tool to reflect on and um, so that was a really enjoyable um practicum and all the students we made little moccasins as a tribute to residential school survivors so the whole hallway of um connect charter and the humanities um the whole humanities little all their community there um was covered in um little moccasin blazing a trail um and they had symbols um that told the story of what they learned with residential school and so by learning at that young age like they're really invested into being um change makers and peacekeepers in society and then as we get to um you know junior high and high school we can elaborate more because you know the truth needs to be told and in order to reconcile 
um, we, we do need to hear the truths and the stories, but there's always a, a place and a context for that. But, you know, right away getting them engaged in the culture rather than just the one um, focus of residential school will come together full circle and, mm-hmm. you know, really give them an idea and a, an education about Indigenous people and um, bringing in role models is really key too um, to with residential school education making sure that Indigenous people are not just portrayed as um, you know dying or sickly or subservient um, there needs to be um, depictions um visitors that are resilient and strong and true to our reality and our capacity in our country in which we we have created that place and you know it's about time that um, we can come together and honor the voices that were never heard or were um, or were told that um, their voice never mattered and you know we're bringing back that love and kindness and space for those ancestors to feel that this is um this is living through our children the bukeks and blackfoot are our children and the clan i come from the bukeks clan is the many children's clan and um Amas Bay is so symbolic because in that clan, in the Blackfoot culture, a child goes through its first full year of life not touching the ground. Our children are revered and um, have always had a safe place in the home, in the community, in the culture. So um, teaching, carrying through those teachings, keeping in mind... Hi! Okay, let me older. Hi! Hi, sweetie! <laughs> Okay. Carrying on that from that perspective of the Mosbeg and the reverence and honoring of the children, you know, that, that's, that's going to drive um, the teachings and will be felt in the right direction. And Indigenous people in today's society, that love is still there. Um, revering our children is very much still there. Um, we love our children, we adore our children, they are sacred to our community, just as elders are important. We honor the children. So by honoring the history, you know, we're honoring our children now and in the future, um, this way of learning. And in the Blackfoot way of learning, even the language is so kind that um, through Indigenous education, there's so much more capacity to learn from a place of kindness because I was raised by my grandpa. So in Blackfoot, um, we call them the Gipudebuka, like the, the children that were raised by older people. And um, they're very like traditional and really loved. And to be raised by a grandparent, indigenous grandparent is so phenomenal and it's so special. So um, we have, we still have our Gipudebukas. Like, I just wanted to make sure that I, I noted that, you know, indigenous children are so loved and those safe spaces for indigenous children in the classroom is just so um, necessary and um, significant to indigenous education. Because 
if we neglect to teach about residential schools, you know, like those students, they're being dishonored in that sense because their history, themselves, their spirits, their ancestor spirits, you know, they they matter to this country. Like the curriculum must honor these children. Otherwise, it's still Indian residential school syndrome continuing mm-hmm. through this curriculum. Mm-hmm. 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 And I'm so happy that you're raising these points because these are some things that I've also been thinking about, especially in regards to discussing the residential schooling system. We must also celebrate our, our kids and celebrate our culture uh, also. Sorry. <laughs> oh, don't be. It's okay. It's okay. But also bringing in the brilliance of, of who we are and the resilience that we we are too and and the and the beautiful representation of who we are and if educators are only bringing up you know more difficult or um like more it like darker themes i guess uh, just you know us at, at our weakest rather than us at our strongest they're doing an injustice to us i think so it's it's really important for educators to also be taking up you know, change makers, even within our communities, as it is too, like yourself and and folks like Nikita, Nikita as well, Kapitsawa, and and folks like these these wonderful individuals, like Debbie Crazy Boy too, and and Gabriel Lindstrom. I know that she was just on the call too. I don't know if she's still with us. I hope she is because these folks are the change makers uh, to be able to bring about safety, to bring about culture, to bring about these wonderful, beautiful identifications of who we are and when we're teaching these darker tones we must also bring okay well this is who we are still to this day and how resilient and beautiful we still are to be able to then continue yeah definitely beautiful thank you and you are right up in there with the change makers (laughs) mommy's done the podcast will have glow stick party okay <laughs> that sounds like fun. <laughs> um, for folks listening to, I just wanted to mention a couple of resources uh, that you can use within your classroom as well for for the residential schooling system being able to take that up with your students uh you could talk about the orange shirt day story uh with uh, phyllis webstead and there's uh the orange shirt day uh which happens annually on september 30th um so this event slash day raises awareness to folks who survived the residential schooling system but also shares the story of how Phyllis's orange shirt was taking taken away from her when she first arrived at St. Joseph uh, Mission uh, Residential School and because of that occurrence she was no longer able to wear uh, an orange shirt that was given to her in relation to her family like her family gave her this shirt and it was the 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 experience of where she received it that's why it was so significant where it was taken away from her on this day so that's why it's the orange shirt day and and it's really profound and really important to raise awareness to because what it did was eliminate an aspect of identity and that's where folks educators can make comparisons and teachings and understandings too so that kids can understand 
how would you feel if if this happened to you? How would you feel through this experience? And really get that piece of empathy coming along and being able to then advocate to share these forms of stories still too. That's a very wonderful story to share because it's it's at a level where kids can make relations to it and empathetical relations without getting into the more difficult uh, notions of what might have occurred at the uh, residential schools too, like the abuse and, and, and various other capacities of assimilation. So it's really, you know, that's where the higher level conversations then come from. And that's why I love the book Indian Horse uh, by, by Richard Wegemus. And, and I do believe he's Ojibwe. And um, he has since passed. And, and and with this book, again, it's bringing relations to personal development from a difficult situation to then bring relations to self-resiliency and strength. And that's what a lot of folks may have felt um, from coming from the system to then be you know moving forward so this happened okay so then how do I progress how do I go through this and and that's also a really good uh, book to share there's also various organizations that are aimed to support educators like the caring society um, within my research I feel very humbled because I'm able to work with um, Cindy Blackstock uh, which she's amazing she's amazing like uh, from from Getson uh, 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 territory in uh, in uh, British Columbia, and uh, the way that she's able to just profoundly advocate for the welfare of all Indigenous youth, children, families, relations is so meaningful. And this organization creates resources for educators, but also for First Nations, family, Métis, and Inuit youth. Um, to be able to advocate on behalf of themselves and are given supports and resources to be able to do so for their community. So this organization works with Spirit Bear, which is, uh, which is a beautiful entity. We love Spirit Bear. Uh, <laughs> and Spirit Bear um, is able to take up these conversations too with youth, uh, with children, and it's usually through books. And the conversations he raises is, is, is so important uh, to, to being able to share the, again, empathy of, of, and resilience of, of Indigenous youth and what they're advocating for and ensuring safe and comfy schools or ensuring for uh, accessible health care on reserves. Um, and ensuring for uh, proper uh, treatment in these welfare institutions when Indigenous peoples are going to these places and ensuring that their rights are respected and are, are, are surely uh, affirmed in that way. So it's a wonderful organization that I have to share again. Um, <laughs> and, and I think that when we develop lessons surrounding this topic, Again, we're not just talking about the the issue of of again the darker themes, but the resilience and the empowerment that kids can also feel that they can be allies and that they can also make change within their community the way that they deserve to and the way that they should feel empowered to be able to do so. And I feel like as educators, we need to be able to support this. So I appreciate you very much for being able to share. It's all good. It's all good.
Yeah, I'm so proud that you get to connect with Cindy and I've heard phenomenal things um, as to the change she's making and bringing to light and the necessary um, systematic you know, pathways which we spoke to in this um, podcast today. She's definitely you know, somebody we can aspire to as young Indigenous women just beginning our practice because, you know, she's, she, you know, invokes so much courage and bravery. And I think that's kind of like how we were talking to, like, education as the buffalo. Like, the buffalo had no fear. The enemy had no fear with them. And I find, like, um not so much like in a physical sense where we need to carry on like our warriorism, but a lot of it's like um, mental and like psychological and academia and um, like our workplaces within the system to be critical and to have that courage to speak to these issues that, you know, need to be spoken to due to intergenerational trauma and the families that teachers are going to be um, connecting with a lot of Indigenous families, you know, we've been disturbed, like my cousin Tim Fox, he does a lot of intergenerational um, trauma workshops, and he refers back to intergenerational trauma as like a, a um, disturbance within our communities, our homes, and our families. So by having that awareness about um, the history of um, trauma from residential schools, I believe teachers must kind of go through some education um, preempts being introduced to this education because um, that intergenerational trauma is very real and alive and uh, like in our undergrad experience we study trauma in our psychological in our psychology class and I remember our professor spoke to um, intergenerational trauma from a place of um, we never know when the trauma will um, show or present itself in one's life. It could come out at any time. It could display or demonstrate itself um, at any point in someone's life. So I think as teachers, being very aware of residential schools to understand that, you know, the families that they're going to work with live very unique lives. And a lot of families are still remaining traditional to ceremonial practices. So understanding that um, families have diverse needs and children um, have diverse needs. Um, have that empathy to be aware of that. Um, because like we mentioned, that trauma is very real. The history is not far, not in the past, it's still in the now. So I'm really glad that, you know, you brought up Cindy Blackstock and children and spirit bear. Oh, I've been gifted a, a glow. No. <laughs> okay, go watch, baby. So, yeah, I'm, that's it's a very important piece to consider. And, Another glow stick. Mm. <laughs> so sweet. <laughs> yeah, go we'll give this to Madeline. This is for you. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> a live um, glow stick. I love it. Time. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, well, Nicole, I want to honor your time. And I, I know that uh, this conversation is very uh, telling for the work that you and I will be working towards within our, our own ways and pathways for relations and, you know, moving forward together. But it is a possibility for educators to take up this work. It is a possibility for our communities of practice to be able to take up this work. And as advocates um, for you and I, uh, it's really important for us to be able to raise these concerns mm -hmm. to our communities to ensure that these conversations are being told. And that's a part of advocacy. That's a part of the, you know, I guess responsibility. Um, at least I personally feel, I, I don't know about you, but do, do you feel like responsibility here um, and being able to bring up? Oh, yes. I, I think like innately, you know, and, and spiritually, intuitively, I think we do have that. And that's a gift to us is that responsibility and to, you know, um, make sure that we uphold ourselves to our best spiritual self to be um, making sure that we continue as advocates to remain humble and true to our beliefs and our intentions with um, you know our, our goals and our dreams as to indigenous curriculum and honoring our, our ancestors and our history and, and you know for the future ones to come that you know they they don't have to take as hard as kids do you know we may have to have at times so it's just paving the way for our generations to come like i think about my mom like how she endured residential school and she went on to post-secondary and it just blows my mind like how she survived everything and so I sometimes get on myself for like complaining about little things and I think about my mom like wow like they survived residential school and I mean like just for us to have a place in this country um it's it's, it's sad because it's at a point where our ancestors were most vulnerable as children. I think that's that's what strikes me. And I'm still learning about my mom's experiences, but just um, taking to this practice of teaching is where, you know, all my love is derived. And, you know, I take it as almost having another child to be very um, patient and, and kind and loving and, um, honest and humble as to how we foster this in our own individual ways and that connects us as human beings and the broader scope that you know we we mean well we've always had peace within treaty making that was always the foundation was peace and looking forward you know um, we're still here you and I Madeline continuing that peace that path of peace and um, you know I'm, I'm so proud of you and um, you know and I know your children are so your future children are so lucky to have you whenever you have little ones you know I'm excited <laughs> for who they're going to be because of you and um, you know someday we'll be grandmothers and we can mm -hmm. speak to our grandchildren about this and just watch once you teach you're going to have a lot of adopted grandchildren and children it's the indigenous way to adopt mm. people into your lives 
So, you know, it's such a blessing to be where we are. And it's such a privilege. And you're definitely, you're so correct. And, you know, our ways, our ceremony, our smudge, our, our offering, it's, it's um, the red road keeps us um, true to our way as to like why we're in this practice they uphold us to our best selves <laughs> the glow stop party oh. committee it's really <laughs> okay. oh. just re- about ready yeah well uh, Nicole uh, I am so honored and so appreciative to have you as a friend um, as a fellow peer in this fight in in this in this peaceful advocacy that you and I are really ensuring the path of and I'm so appreciative you're in my life um and also for your gifts your children too I know that you're a very loving and caring and phenomenal mother and for you to take this time to even sit with me and with with all the beautifulness going on behind you and the glow stick party you're just about to be a part of which I'm very jealous of I wish I could have a glow stick party too <laughs> Thank you. I'm there in spirit. <laughs> okay. Okay. And I appreciate your sharings tonight and your um, just your sharings in, in, in all its entirety. And I'm just so, again, humbled and honored that you're my friend and uh, that you're able to hold this conversation with me. And I really hope that it does uh, support educators in their journey and knowing that they can take up this work. They can feel empowered to be able to do this. Just know that we're all we're all rooting for you to be able to do it. So just know that you can do it mm-hmm. and uh, you are empowered to be able to do it. So never feel like alone you're not alone reach out for support we're all in this together um and again merci thank you so much nicole for being able to join me uh tonight and also for smudging for us too throughout our conversation i really do appreciate it and yeah i just appreciate you so much so thank you merci thank you to you thank you and you know this is just the beginning for us and you know, I know our friendship will be lifelong. And yes, thank you um, for all the future future teachers, aspiring teachers, current teachers. Um, you know, there's a lot of support and their spirits are there with you. The ancestors are there with you. You know, be brave, um, be humble and be kind. Mm, that's perfect be brave be humble be kind <laughs> ah love it <laughs> awesome well ma- have a glow stick party <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes that's phenomenal <laughs> Well, merci again, Nicole, and I hope you have a wonderful glow stick party. I hope you have a wonderful night, and thank you again. Thank you for the viewers who have been along with us for this journey. Uh, Your voices and your presence is also very much appreciated. And uh, for the future listeners, I hope you enjoy this podcast, and I certainly hope that you can reach out, ask any questions that you're willing to. uh, Feel free to always reach out, and merci and thank you. Awesome. Bye, Nicole.